All right, well, let me invite you to take your Bible and go to Mark chapter 7. And while you're turning there, at the end of the service today, we will be uh, observing communion. This is the fifth Sunday, so uh, out, in the, out in the foyer, you will see the um, little individual packets. If you, didn't, if you didn't get one of those, those are available in the basket out on the, on the back table. You can make your way out and get one of those. Um, Mark chapter 7, this morning we're looking at uh, the simple truth that, that Christ comes to those who are far off. And this morning we have uh, Jesus once again trying to escape uh, public recognition and most likely to, to try and get some rest, to get a break from the, the constant ministry and the constant press and the crush of the crowds. And so we, we see him leaving an area of the area of Judea, which is where the vast majority of his ministry took place, and going to the region of Tyre, which is a Gentile region. Gentile meaning non-Jewish. And, and this is the only time in his ministry in the book of Mark that he ministers to Gentiles. This is the only time it's recorded in, in Mark's gospel that Jesus goes outside the, the people of God, the Jews, to, to teach, to, to minister. He goes to this region of Tyre and Sidon, a, a place that historically was opposed to the Jews. In fact, uh, back in 1 Kings chapter 16, you might remember a lady by the name of Jezebel. And she made her home in this same region. So it was a home for pagan worship. And so the, the, the Messiah, Jesus, is literally entering enemy territory here with the good news of the kingdom of God. So if you have your Bible in Mark chapter 7, let's stand as we read the word the Lord's given to us this morning. Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 31. He got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And when she went back to her home, she found her child lying on the bed and the demon was gone. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went by the way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd in private. After putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephapha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak clearly. He ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. They were extremely astonished and said, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you just for the opportunity to gather together as your people and to open up your word. And We pray that you will... Bless our time here this morning, that 
As we see in our story, those who are far off can be brought near through the grace of God. And I pray you would not only show that to us in your word, but you would do it here this morning. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Now, what we see in this passage really gives us a glimpse into what will be later fleshed out in the ministry of Peter in Acts chapter 10, as well as really the entire ministry of Paul to the Gentiles. And uh, we, we see throughout the New Testament that God has a heart for those who are far off. And so our, our big idea for the morning is simply this. Christ Jesus came to bring those who are far off into the kingdom of God. Christ Jesus came to bring those who are far off into the kingdom of God. And we don't do this often. I've, I've tried not to, to, to make us go back and forth between Gospels as, as I'm preaching through Mark, because as I said at the beginning, I, I don't want to focus on what Mark doesn't mention, but in this case, uh, turn with me, if you will, back to Matthew chapter 15. So if you're in Mark chapter 7, you just go back to the left a little while. Matthew is the, is the book immediately preceding Mark and look for chapter 15. Because Matthew tells us the story of this woman and her daughter. And he, he sheds a little bit more light on the passage for us and, and helps us understand exactly what Jesus is doing here. Matthew 15, starting verse 21, says, When Jesus left there, he withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely tormented by a demon. Now look at this, verse 23. Jesus did not say a word to her. She's crying out to him, Have, have mercy on me. But Jesus is completely silent. He doesn't speak to her. His disciples approached him and urged him, send her away because she's crying out after us. Now, let, let me speculate just a little bit, okay? So, so understand, let me, I'm going to step away. So this is, not, this is not God's word. This is Kyle's framing of what's happening here, okay? This woman comes to Jesus. She's a Gentile. And she's, she's constantly crying out, Lord, have mercy on me. My, my daughter's tormented by a demon, and Jesus is not saying a word. Now, that seems awfully cold, doesn't it? For her to be coming to him and begging. Can't you do anything, Jesus? And he's staying silent. What on earth is happening? Well, I, th I think there are two things that are at play here. One, I, I think he's, he's testing this woman's faith. If you remember in the, in the parable of the persistent widow that Jesus tells, he tells a story about a woman who who goes to the king to, to a king's door, and the king is, is just a nasty guy. He doesn't have any kind of regard for people. He certainly doesn't care for this old woman, and, and, and so he ignores her, and yet she, she's persistent until basically the, the king is annoyed with her, and he, he grants her what she's asking for just to make her go away. In this case, I think Jesus is testing her faith to see if she's just going to walk away or if she's going to remain persistent. But secondly, I think he's testing the disciples' faith to see how they're going to respond when a Gentile woman comes to Jesus. And here we see, as we often do, the way the disciples respond. 
And that is, his disciples approached him and urged him, send her away because she's crying out after us. Jesus, haven't you noticed what this woman's going to do? Haven't you noticed that she's, she, she's, she, she's not going away? She's here. She's bugging us. Do something. Can't you just send her away? He replied in, in Matthew 15, 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, even though he's entered Gentile territory, he's telling them, listen, my, my mission is to, to God's people. My mission is to, these, to the Jews, these people to whom the Messiah was promised for the last several hundred years, these, these people who've turned away from God, and, and now God is bringing them back. And again, I think he's, He's not telling her what he's not going to do. I think he's, he's seeing how she's going to respond to this. But she came, knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. At this point, our two stories come back together. And Jesus says something here that may seem really strange. Both in Matthew and in Mark, he says, It isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, what on earth did he just say? We need to understand the Gentiles were called dogs by the Jews as a slur. But you have to understand how, how they were, the, the, the words that were used. So the words that were used when a Jew would refer to a Gentile referred to a wild, untamed scavenger of a dog. Now, now, at first glance, especially in an English translation, it seems like Jesus is, is using that same word to refer to this woman, and, and, and that might make us a little uncomfortable. But what we see is Jesus actually using a word that referred to domesticated house puppy. Now, now, now don't, don't lose me here, okay? Because we might still say, wait a second, but he's still referring to her as a dog. But understand what just happened. Whereas Jews usually saw Gentiles as people who were cast out. Jesus just used an image that brought this woman and her daughter into the house. To the table. And he's still testing her faith. He's seeing how she's going to respond to this. So don't miss this, all right? Jesus is the Savior who brings those from the outside in. Jesus is the Savior who brings those from the outside in. And this woman understands what just happened. Because she replied to him in, verse, in, in Mark 7, 28. Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. In other words, what, what she is saying is, Lord, I, I, j just let me experience a little bit of your mercy. I believe you're powerful enough that you, if you shed just a little bit of your mercy on us, my daughter will be healed. Look at verse 29. He told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your child. When she went back to her home, she found her child lying 
on the bed, and the demon was gone. Jesus brings those from the outside in. We see this in Ephesians chapter 2, 11 and 12. And you have this at the bottom of your bulletin. Right now, I want us to focus on verses 11 and 12. Because we need to understand how the Gentiles were understood by the Jews and, and how even Gentiles understood themselves when people would come and talk about this Messiah that was coming. This is how Paul says the, the Gentiles were before Christ. Paul writes this in Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. So then remember that at one time you were called Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now this is not just Gentiles in the first century, this is all of us apart from Christ. We were on the outside, he says here, without hope and without God in the world. It's bad news, right? It's it's where it starts. It's where we start. We start with bad news. Our sin has separated us from God, but Christ Jesus is the Savior who brings those from the outside in. This Gentile woman who really had no reason to believe that this Jewish rabbi would would give her the time of day, would would listen to her at all. She she comes to Jesus, most likely like we've seen others come to him out of desperation because she had nowhere else to go. And yet she comes to him and and says, "I, I believe. I can just experience a little bit. If I can just experience the crumbs of your grace, that'll be enough. What we see is that she experienced full measure of the grace of God because of her faith. So we also, not only do we see that Jesus is the Savior who brings those from the outside in, we also see Jesus is the Savior who goes beyond expectations. Let's pick up in verse 31. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went by the way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So so Jesus leaves that area, goes on to to another region, still in Gentile territory. The Decapolis was this kind of region of ten cities. And Jesus is going through there, and no doubt many people are being brought to him. Mark tells us specifically about this one man who was deaf and who who apparently was not completely mute, but had, had issues speaking, had issues forming words clearly. We're not exactly clear on what is disorder is other than he, he's deaf and, and he doesn't speak well. He had trouble speaking. So it wouldn't do a lot of good for Jesus to speak to this man. So understand what, he, what Jesus does here. Verse 33 says, he took him away from the crowd in private. After putting his fingers in the man's ears, And spitting, 
He touched his tongue. Now, now, Jesus is communicating to this man in a way that he would understand through what we might call a form of sign language. Puts his, puts his fingers in his ear and he, and he spits. Not, not on the man, I don't think. I think he puts his fingers in the ear and he spits. In other words, saying, I'm about to, I'm about to loosen what's in here. Then we're told Jesus touched his tongue, saying, I'm about to unclog your ears. I'm about to loosen your tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. Now we see Jesus doing something here that, that maybe you're not real familiar with. I'm not, we don't see it happening very often, but, but he sighs. We're told he sighs. He, he, another word for that could be he groans. He, Jesus feels the weight of the, the impact that sin has had on this man's life. He feels the, the weight of, of the burden of sin that this man has experienced. Maybe, maybe not because of his own personal sin. We're not told why he was deaf, but, but back in Genesis 3, we see when, when sin first entered into the world, it fractured God's creation, and now we, we wrestle with things like sin and disease. And certainly this man's condition was a result of the fall, and we see Jesus maybe groaning because of the effects of the fall and the, the, the way it's impacting people's lives. And then he says, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak clearly. Now again, Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered it, the more they proclaimed it. So news about Jesus continues to spread. Look at verse 37. They were extremely astonished and said, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. I think this, this phrase, He has done everything well, is an echo of Genesis 1 and 2. We're at the end of Genesis 1, Genesis 1.31, we're told, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. This is what people are saying about the Messiah. He has done this. It is good. He has done everything well. He, he does what is very good. As people see the ministry of Jesus, they see him reversing the effects of the fall. Bringing life where there wasn't life. Bringing healing. Bringing sight, and, or bring, bringing sight to those who were blind. Opening ears. Loosening tongues. And all the while, not just for the sake of improving people's physical realities, but, but pointing them to a greater spiritual reality. To a God who saves completely. So again, we look at Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. I want to, I want to pick up back in, back in verse 11 again. Because we're told, 
So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. As I said a few moments ago, this was not just the reality for the Gentiles, this is, this is our reality apart from Christ Jesus. We're cut off, excluded from the kingdom of God, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. You know, as we've looked around, if you've observed our world in the last six months, um, as, as we've dealt with the continuing effects of the pandemic, we see a lot of people who are living their lives in fear, living their lives without hope. We've seen riots break out in different parts of the country because of racial injustices that continue to be a reality in in our world and and racial tensions that, that... are very much uh, still active 50 years after the civil rights movement. Many cases we see people acting out of a sense of hopelessness. We hear about all kinds of answers that are being thrown out there. Certainly in the next Three months, we're going to hear a lot of proposed political answers, but, but folks, li- listen to me very carefully. The answer to our problems is not going to be found in Washington, D.C. The answer to our problems will not be settled on November 3rd. As, as citizens of, of this nation, we, we have the great responsibility and the privilege to select our leaders, and so I hope you'll take part in that political process. I I encourage you to vote your conscience. But if we're looking for an earthly leader to set everything right, we're going to be sorely disappointed each and every time. And I dare say as we approach November... We're going to continue to see tensions and, and, and um, protests, rioting escalate, maybe even beyond November. Folks, listen, as, as we've said for, from the beginning of the pandemic and, and hopefully well beyond, the pan, well, well beyond the start of the pandemic, but especially in these times, our, our security is not found in this life. Our security is not found in any political structure, in our health, in our bank account, in any earthly leader, our hope is in Christ Jesus alone, who in verse 13 says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The message of the gospel is good news for those who are far away from God. I would remind you once again of our 
Big idea for the morning. Christ Jesus came to bring those who are far off into the kingdom of God. And, you know, I would remind you that all around us as we see what seems like chaos and, and, and what seems like a world that's lost, let, let, me, let me remind you that the world is lost. And, and let me remind you that lost people act lost. So we should not look at, at a world that is completely separated from God and think, why can't they just act better? Because the biggest need is not for people to be nicer. The biggest need is for people to repent of sins and to come to know Christ Jesus. That those who are far off would be brought near. Well, how do we do that? What, what's, how do we make that known? Well, let me read for you a passage. This is in 2 Corinthians 5. It's not on your screen. It's not in your notes. Second Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Paul writes this, from now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Think about that for a second. We don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. You know, one of the, one of the things that really bugged me that, that I read this weekend was a pastor who was at a gathering at the White House this week, and uh, there were some folks that were met with, with protests, and things got a little, uh, got a little hairy coming out of the, the, this rally at the White House. And I saw a pastor referring to people as infidels. That, that really bugged me. I, when, to, to, hear, to hear pastors refer to people made in the image of God as worthless, as thugs. Where Paul says, from now on, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. Continues, even if we've known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is our mission. This is our calling in this life as followers of Christ. That we might plead with those far from God, be reconciled to God. Understanding, listen, that, that we still deal with junk in our own lives, right? You're, you're never going to be perfect. You, you and I are going to continue to wrestle with sins. That We, we need to be people who would be quick to confess, quick to repent, quick to seek reconciliation where we've caused harm. That we might plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. When we do that, 
We join Christ Jesus in this work of bringing those who are far off into the kingdom of God. And so as we close this morning, my my question for you is simply this. Are you near to God or are you far off? Have you repented of sins? Have you trusted in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior? And if so, the Bible says you were once far off and now you've been brought near through the blood of Christ. Or are you still far off? If you'd say this this morning, Kyle, I think I'm far off. I'm I'm not sure I'm near to Christ. let, Let me encourage you this morning with these words. This is just a simple prayer. Let me tell you about this God who loves you so much that sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and die in your place on a cross. Take your place. Die the death that you deserved. That you might be brought near it. You might be made a new creation. This morning, if you'd like to move from death to life, move from being far off to near to God, you can do that right now. As I say every Sunday, and I always want to make clear, these are no magic words, no magic formula. Just some some words to help you frame what it might look like to trust in Jesus as Savior. It's simply this. My life is broken. I realize it's because of my sin I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. And I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I will follow him. If you're here this morning, you you prayed that for the first time, I want to know about it. I want to love to visit with you after the service and have you come and just say, Kyle, I prayed that prayer, or maybe, hey, I have have some questions. Um, in In your bulletin on the screen, if you're watching us online, there's a number you can call or text, and we'll get back with you this week, let you know what it what it looks like to follow after Jesus. That number is 575-446-3663. You can text that. You can leave a voicemail there. We'll, we'll get back with you and let you know what it looks like to follow Christ.